Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly. And on this episode, I'm joined by Peter Stitcher of Ascent Fly Fishing. Ascent's claim to fame is its use of science to customize fly selection, not just by watershed, but by time of year. More interesting, though, is Ascent's focus on community and everything it does, whether it's growing the sport or supporting its team members. Peter's generously offering Articulate Fly listeners 10% off their next order. Simply visit www.ascentflyfishing.com and use the code ARTICULATE10, all caps, all one word, number 10 at checkout. But before we move on to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe in the podcatcher of your choice, and leave us a review. It would really help us out. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the Bristol Bay Defense Fund. With the decision on the Pebble Mine's most critical federal permit application due later this year, 2020 is an important turning point in this long-running saga. To help this diverse coalition continue its efforts to protect one of the world's largest wild salmon runs and all of its economic, cultural, and ecological benefits, please visit www.bristolbaydefensefund.com and donate today. Now, on to our interview. Well, Peter, welcome to the Articulate Fly. Thank you for having me, Marvin. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation, and we have a tradition on the Articulate Fly. I always ask all of my guests to share their earliest fishing memory. Yeah, I um, I, I recently found a VHS tape, and I was probably four years old, wearing some Ocean Pacific uh, shorts in uh, just north of Knoxville, Tennessee, fishing a little pond called the Cross-Eyed Cricket, and it was a, a pay-to-fish uh, spot, and uh, we had cane poles and, and corn and uh, you could have walked across that pond. There was so many trout in there, but it was my mom and me and uh, these painfully short shorts and we were just pulling trout out. You could pull them out with a naked hook, but that's, that's where it all started. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's my first fishing experience, but I had some pretty similar experiences uh, on trout farms when I was a kid in Virginia, for sure. Uh, when did you get lured to the dark side of fly fishing? You know, um, I was a, a pretty rambunctious kid and didn't uh, pay a lot of attention in school. So I was able to have kind of a, a mentor and, and uh, to calm me down, to kind of you know, persuade me to do my work. He brought in uh, a fly tying vice and I was always kind of a dirt nerd and playing in the swamps and in, in the creeks back home in Nebraska. And he started showing me the stuff that I was uh, pulling out of the creek. He started tying flies that looked like fascinated me and gave me a, uh, some, some more impetus to be out there in the mud. So I started tying flies in fifth grade and, and then I was already a big spin fisherman at that point, but, uh, started using my flies and, and the, the feeling of catching a, a fish on, on something you tied to outsmart that fish, uh, matching the foods that they, they were actually eating. Um, it's just something clicked inside of me. So it was, uh, you know, ripe young age, uh, fifth grade, probably about 11 years old. That's great. Do you remember the first vice you had and the first fly you tied on it? You know, yeah, it, um, it was probably some little $5, um, vice, you know, just something that's clamps to the edge of the table and, and, uh, you know, mashes the hook flat. But, uh, yeah, I still actually have some of the first flies that I tied and they were the ugliest, biggest elk hair cat as you could imagine. And, uh, all the backs of the hairs are, are trimmed trying to make them the right size. Cause I, I probably used twice the length of hair I needed at that time. But, uh, 
I, I'm absolutely sure I still have those uh, in, in one of my earliest fly boxes. Well, that's great. So we kind of move towards today. Who are some of the folks that have mentored you on your fly fishing journey? You know, um, probably the the biggest influence uh, in my fishing journey and love about the outdoors was my mom. And um, uh, as I as this passion kind of awoke in me to to fish and then fly fish, um, I'd be going through the manuals from the parks and wildlife and, and seeing another pond or, or lake or creek that I wanted to fish. And uh, she'd get up at four in the morning to drive, uh, you know, an hour, an hour and a half with me to get me to that pond and we'd fish together. Um, so she's, uh, she wasn't a, a big fly fisher. She's gone with me uh, some in later years, but um, she was uh, the one that really helped to foster that passion and acknowledge that in me. Um, and then the gentleman that, that really got me into fly fishing was, kind of a distant relative who was a, an Afrikaner from South Africa. And, um, you know, he was one who, who helped me to take the flies off of the, the spinning rod and bubble and put it onto a fly rod. And we started by casting in the pool in the backyard and, and then right up to, to Estes Park and, uh, and starting to fish some of those waters together. And, uh, yeah, my first day out uh, with a fly rod, caught 16 fish in the first morning. I'm like, yeah, this, this is it for me. Yeah, that'll definitely do it to you. And if we kind of move forward a little bit more to kind of, I guess, the recent past, uh, can you share with us the impetus for starting Ascent? Yeah, so Ascent Fly Fishing, we're, you know, a pretty different shop in, in a lot of ways. But, um, I mean, the the idea of Ascent is things differently. Rising up like a fish rising to, to take a fly, ascending through the water. Um, yeah, we, we we value some maybe some different things and, and really – go about the sport and, and empowering people in different ways. But, um, it was probably, gosh, almost eight years ago now that, um, seven and a half, my daughter, um, she was a baby at the time had uh, some kidney failure and I was working full time as a biologist at the time. Um, wondering, uh, how in the world am I going to pay for, you know, a potential kidney transplant on, on a biologist salary and horrible insurance. And so we started, uh, tying flies and, people would ask me, you know, what's working here? Uh, can you help build me a box? And, and as a biologist, I could say, you know what, I actually was on the team that did the restoration work on that section of river. And I did all the entomological studies. I saw what bugs live there. And so not only are these the bugs that are in that river at this time of year, this is what those bugs look like. This is their life cycle. And so here, let me tell you these flies. And people would go out and they would catch more fish than all the guides and their fishing buddies with that selection. Like you were spot on. So I started doing that, um, to pay for, um, uh, my daughter's kidney surgery. And fortunately she, um, she is a whole and has both kidneys. Um, but in that time I saw that, you know, my unique kind of perspective as a biologist, um, was really answering that core question. What are they biting on? And I was uniquely positioned to do that. And, um, yeah, so I started, and on a weekend, we started uh, opening up the garage and uh, letting people come over and buy flies for their unique waters. And yeah, that uh, that's my passion is, is connecting people with the river. Gotcha. And so how has that, you know, that's the beginning. How has that approach kind of broadened out um, as Ascent has matured? Right. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying, we're in the process of getting pretty techy about it now. So um, in the past, it's been a pretty manual process where I'd have clients from, you know, out in your neck of the woods, North Carolina, Virginia, they would, you know, get on the website and tell me when and where they're fishing out there or clients from New York or California. And 
we kind of like manually go through these databases of insects. We have a, a surplus of about 600,000 flies now in the shop, and we build these selections of bugs specific to the life cycles and the, the families of insects in the waters our clients fish when they fish them. So we take the guesswork out. But, um, you know, we are in the process of automating this now um, to utilize computer learning, to utilize algorithms that uh, as our clients punch in their information, um, as they provide feedback, our models will, will start to learn, will start to mature. You and I were talking before the podcast started about how warm it's been uh, in North Carolina and Virginia and how it's accelerated the hatches. What we're working on now is going to be able to take those variables, those weird years where it's a little warmer, a little colder, a little wetter, a little snowier, and it's going to tell us these are the flies, these are the life cycles, this is what's going to be working on your water. So it's science, and uh, but when it comes to our clients, they're not getting a bunch of Latin and uh, ones and zeros from a computer. They're getting flies that are organized by hatch and life cycle for where they're fishing and, and they hit the river with confidence. Got it. And do you have a particular angler in mind um, when you build the company out and all the processes? You know what? It's, uh, it's interesting between our classes, between our selections. I mean, I have, anglers that have, have been on the water for 50 years and, and they are appreciating and, and able to go deeper. Um, and we meet them where they're at. So they can be a mature, very seasoned angler. And, you know, again, every day I have people come into the shop. It's, it's their first time and they might be coming in with their grandpa's tackle box and their spinning rod and, uh, and they are welcome and we'll sell them, you know, six flies and we will drop a pin on Google maps and I'll tie on their first, you know, flies onto their spinning rod and I'll set their, their indicators and weights. And, and I encourage them, you know, after you, you fish this spot and you lose these flies, come back and we'll get you on another spot and a few more flies. So it really spreads uh, the gamut. Um, lifelong anglers, spin fishermen, um, men, women, I mean, the, the whole spectrum, every orientation, like they're, they're all welcome here. Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, I, I, I thought about this when I was preparing for the interview. You know, you have this science-driven approach, and you're very methodical about uh, the bugs you give people and the progression to fix them, to fish them. Um, where do you sort of fall on that spectrum of matching the hatch versus having a more generic fly with a, with a good presentation? Yeah, so you know, we, we take a couple things into consideration uh, in selecting the flies. Um, I'm looking at uh, the skill level of the angler, um, and also kind of their, their style of angling. Um, so for skill level, if it's a, if it's a seasoned angler that has eight fly boxes full of flies, um, you know, they might consider themselves an advanced angler. Um, and I, I might want to take like a hundred foot view of the river for them. They have a lot of that general stuff that can scratch a lot of itches, match a lot of bugs, but I want to give them the, the, the precision that that kind of that knife blade really those specific life cycles and hatches. So I'm going to go close and I'm going to be really tight to matching specific hatches and life cycles for them. For a, a younger angler or someone who's just getting their feet wet, I mean, I don't want them to have to spend $40, let alone $500 to get every fly that they think they might need. So I am going to tend a little bit more towards those generalist patterns those pheasant tails, those hares ears, the zebra midges, the, the parachute atoms and Alcaricatus, those specific patterns that uh, within a couple of sizes of that pattern, you can match 10 or 20 different hatches across a larger region, across, across a, a longer season. And so I'm, I'm really uh, trying to give them the most value 
just the, what's the minimum I can give them without breaking the bank to, to give them success on the water. Um, as far as approach goes, if they're fishing traditional kind of dries and droppers and, and indicator rigs, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a very hatch specific and, and general flies. When it comes to uh, the people doing check nymphing or euro nymphing, um, matching the hats kind of goes by the wayside a little bit, and it's more about weight and getting your flies into the correct zone in the river. So I will accommodate that with the flies I provide for, for people doing euro nymphing. Got it. And kind of a related follow-up, um, you know, do you find that your approach is universally applicable, or do you think it's better suited to more technical fisheries like tailwaters and spring creeks? Um, it is absolutely universally uh, universally applicable. So, um, you know, in the, the questions, as people come to our website and they say, you know, they choose from among our biologist pack selections, they choose a budget, it tells us about their skill level. And then one of the questions we're going to ask is, you know, what, what types of waters do you want us to match to? So they can specify this selection is going to be for, for lakes and ponds. And there's a whole kind of family of insects that, that specialize and live in those lakes and ponds in their region, or they want a tailwater box or a freestone river box. So we can customize it to the water type. Um, and again, we have the data for it. We have the flies for it. And, uh, and I think we do it better than anyone else. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, you've done uh, plenty of interviews in the past. And, you know, one of the interesting things is, you know, I find that most of your approaches are very process driven. So you have a very uh, specific process for organizing your fly box. And you've got a great video, I think, on your site um, and a DVD you sell to help folks with that. And then you also have these great acronyms, uh, for example, PAUSE to help people um, figure out kind of what bugs to start with and how to fish throughout the day, um, as well as match. Where does your affinity for process come from? So um, there is so much information. The learning curve is so large. It can seem insurmountable. And my goal is to break the dependence on the fly shop, to break the dependence on the guides and to, um, you know, teach a, a man or a woman to fish so that they can enjoy and kind of draw life from the water for a lifetime, you know, in and of themselves on the water. And, if they feel like they have to buy the next six books from the, you know, the, the coolest authors in the space or learn the Latin names, it's just their head's going to get so full. It's, um, the joy gets lost in the details. And I want people to know that, that being a successful angler and being able to go out and tap into what nature's doing and interact with the trout where they're at and have a great day on the water, it's really simple. I want to simplify it. And so by creating uh, just a little phrase like pause before you match, that P-A-U-S-E stands for the five places that if they can remember P-A-U-S-E, they can think this is where bugs at the fishery are going to be found today. And so they can do that quickly. And then they're going to have that observation in front of them. They say, all right, the next thing I have to do is time to match, right? Time to choose my flies. I'm going to prioritize these five things out of what I just saw. And these flies are going to be the most likely ones that the fish are going to be eating. So again, I don't want to teach Latin. I've never met a trout that speaks Latin. Um, generally people at parties aren't impressed if you do either. So let's keep it simple. Let's keep it focused on uh, empowering people for success. And, uh, and so that's what these processes are for to, to empower people. Got it. And you employ those in so many different ways, you know, whether it's product design, uh, meetups, classes, um, 
you know, digital outreach. Can you share a little bit more about all of the things you've got going on at Ascent Fly Fishing um, to kind of help get those anglers up that learning curve as quickly as possible? Absolutely. Um, yeah, knowledge is power. So um, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to continue to do this, but on my, my business card on the website, I mean, that number rings through to my mobile. So, I mean, I often am answering calls at six in the morning. Um, the other call from the East Coast the other day came in before five and I took it. Um, so I'm, I'm accessible to answer questions without a hard sell. There's no um, string attached. They have to come and buy flies. On the website, um, ascentflyfishing.com, there is a wealth of information. Um, just people can look up the flies by hatch, by life cycle. They can uh, look up any fly in their fly box just by typing in the name. And I state, this is the hatch species and life cycles that this belongs to. This is when you're going to fish it. So start building those connections between uh, the water and their fly boxes. Uh, we have a whole section called Learn to Fly Fish where there's over seven years worth of articles. So for every week, I write an article that takes some aspect of the science of fly fishing and how do you apply that on the water. That's all just a wealth of information that's free and available, but also the podcast we've been on, the, um, our YouTube videos. Um, it's, it's all accessible there. And uh, yeah, knowledge is power. So we're here to help reduce that learning curve. And then we do classes. Um, you know, I think you and I first met at uh, the Virginia uh, Wine and Fly Fishing Festival, and, uh, and we saw each other again at the Fly Fishing Show in Edison, New Jersey this year. So I have an opportunity, uh, feel blessed to be able to go and, um, and speak at a lot of these uh, fly fishing shows around the U.S. and fly fishing clubs around the U.S. And uh, this is just a great opportunity to, to help make simple and make smooth and, and bring some clarity to these perennial questions of the angler and uh, and then also i get to learn from from these people in different regions and how they're fishing and and it sharpens me as well yeah that's really neat and you know i think there's probably more to it than just teaching people to fish what are you are trying to accomplish with your educational outreach in addition to helping anglers become more competent and confident on the water you know um i think uh there is uh fly fishing has kind of a a stodgy kind of secretive, um, maybe not very welcoming at times persona. Um, and, and this will be seen on, on Instagram and Facebook as, you know, maybe some new angler holding up a fish and, uh, they get lambasted in the comments about like, you're squeezing it wrong. You're holding it wrong. Take off your gloves. Like so many people are trying to get in there and they're, they're wanting to experience that life of the river. And, um, sometimes the community is, is not, always super welcoming. And so to create an environment, and this is, again, what Ascent is about, is creating an environment in a community where people can come and the questions that they ask are the ones we've been waiting for someone to ask. So we're excited to answer. And so there's no dumb questions and um, just that excitement of, of sharing something that we love and experiencing that together. So yeah, it's, it's about empowering and educating people, but not as individuals. It's about bringing us together to share this resource, to appreciate this resource, and then hopefully ultimately to, to fight together to protect these resources. So it's a place of belonging and, and our community is, is a place that's welcome for everyone. And, and I think that's really expressed in the way that our followers uh, at Ascent and, and our community welcomes other people to join us. 
Yeah, that's really great. And it's really great to have that kind of a positive influence in the sport. You know, folks that follow you may know this, maybe some don't, but you produce your flies overseas and you have two factories in Kenya. Can you tell us a little bit about your operation over there? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably a lot of misconceptions about where flies come from. And uh, I'd say probably, you know, 95% of commercially tied flies come from either Kenya Sri Lanka or, or Thailand and commercial fly time was brought to Kenya almost a hundred years ago. Um, so wherever the British colonized, they brought trout and they brought fly fishing and, uh, they have a, they have a fly fishing club in Kenya. Last time I was there, I um, got an invitation to go up there, but I didn't have a chance, but it's like 150 years old. Like they, uh, they've been doing it a long time. So, um, yeah, fly tying, um, these are artisanal jobs. These are uh, very sought after, uh, well-paying jobs. And, um, in 2014, uh, my wife and I opened our first little fly tying factory about two hours from the Forney mill factory where, uh, Orvis gets all their flies tied. And, uh, at that time we had two fly tires and a manager. And, um, over the years, um, as, as we've grown, um, that has, uh, expanded into, um, 40 full-time fly tires now. And uh, in a country with roughly 75% unemployment, um, when my family and I go to, to train and to spend time with our tires, um, we've come to realize that those 40 tires come with about 300 dependents. And, um, and so and we have a, a young tire who's, who's 23. She's our youngest tire. She's only been tying, I guess, about four years now. Um, most of our tires have been tying 10 to uh, 20 years. But uh, she, she takes care of her two parents with her wages. Her, do- her sister, who's a widow, and her sister's four kids are, are being sent to school with fly tying wages. So um, there's a big responsibility, and uh, this is a, a vital part of our community. And just as we desire to see uh, life and success and hope experienced by our clients on the water, um, there's no success for, for Jessica and I and for the Ascent Fly Fishing family without making sure that our tires and their families have uh, a hope-filled and, and bright future as well. Yeah, and you mentioned that family aspect. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that approach is different from what other folks do in the industry? Yeah, so I, I haven't uh, visited, um, you know, factories in Thailand or Sri Lanka, but I've certainly seen enough factories in Kenya, and um, it's uh, typically a very hand-to-mouth existence. Um, so, you know, while we would love to, to sell some TFO rods or um, some other stuff like that in the shop or some Sims waders, um, you know, because we're not a traditional uh, brick and mortar, you know, they're not really open to that. And so instead of putting our money into building out infrastructure and kind of, you know, meeting the, the, the standard measures of success in the fly fishing industry, we, um, we invest in our people. And um, so we, we provide a living wage uh, for the flies tied. Um, on top of that, we give a profit share of a percentage of, of all sales, uh, all purchases from the shop. And, um, as we've grown, um, uh, you know, and we have grown exponentially every year, which has been such a blessing, but instead of you know, upgrading the O3 Tacoma, we've um, been able to create uh, a fund to cover, uh, healthcare for all of our tires and their families that they're welcome to draw from whenever needed. And over time, uh, maybe 10 cents a, a dozen, they will just uh, pay that back if they tie flies. So these are interest-free, um, kind of healthcare loans. And, uh, and as, 
um, our, our family has matured. Our, uh, our fly time family has matured. We have kids uh, going into university now, uh, starting law school, and uh, we're committed to, to seeing this trajectory, this uh, life change for the community uh, go through. So, um, you know, helping to, to fund that and, and to, to keep orders going, even in the winter when we're not selling a lot of flies, um, this is what we're committed to. Yeah, that's really great. And I think the amazing thing, and we were talking about this before we started recording, is, you know, you know, your flies are actually less expensive than most places that you can buy flies on the Internet. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's there's a high overhead to, to having uh, traditional brick and mortar shops and, uh, you know, a number of people uh, working in the shops and, and minimum orders with these larger big name brands. Um, so, you know, we, we stick to the flies and to the science. That's kind of our sweet spot. Um, we supply all of our own materials, so we send over shipping containers full of hides and whiting hackles and, and hooks, and um, we don't have any middlemen. So um, to be able to sell um, professionally tied, 100% quality guaranteed flies for a dollar to a dollar and a quarter, I mean, that is sufficient um, to both care for our community as well as um, really open up the sport to more people, you know, kind of take it away from just the 1%. And, uh, you know, I'll... I used to have these two boys that would ride their bikes over to my house with like three to six dollars of allowance a week, and they'd buy three to six flies, and then we'd spend half an hour to forty-five minutes looking at uh, at maps where their mom would drive them that weekend to fish. So, um, you know, that's that's our community, and uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be overpriced stuff. It's you know, we we get what we need, and and it's, it's touching a lot of lives. Yeah, and it's interesting. I know you'd mentioned the kids coming in your shop locally, but there are other things that you do that you have this exact same approach uh, with your Colorado community as well. We do. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're part of a, a community here and um, we we met two, two boys uh, along the Platte River near Littleton, Colorado. They were um, uh, staying under a bridge on the Platte um, for several years. And uh, we got to know them and hear their story. And uh, yeah, it just made sense to, um, you know, a lot of what we do is just kind of sitting down and relaxing and, uh, you know, packing some some fly boxes. So we um, invited uh, these first two uh, boys that were living on the street over to the shop and, and they started packing flies for us about um, three years ago. And, um, and as uh, we got to spend time with them, we can uh, talk about life and about skills and about what tomorrow can look like compared to today and uh, talk about budgeting. And, uh, and as they, you know, most of them have been able to move off the street and into housing and full-time employment. And then we, uh, we invite someone else over and um, it's just, uh, we have a need, we have an opportunity and um, it's been a, a real blessing to get to know these, these guys. And if you look at them, you wouldn't think that they're fly fishermen, but they, uh, they will, heartily endorse uh, their love for the fly fishing community. And as we've shared on Instagram and Facebook, um, the different uh, successes uh, that they are exhibiting, um, our community is, has piped in and been amazing. Um, one of the last guys to get housing, his name was Matthew. Um, I put out to the community uh, that we might need some furniture and we probably could have furnished four full houses within an hour, just from uh, the outpouring of support from our community. So I just feel so blessed to, to be among so many great people. Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, I mean, it's obvious from talking to you and um, the community is a real is a core value at Ascent. Where did you learn to value community so much and why do you think it's so important? You know, I, um, 
Yeah, I think in in the day to day, it's it's uh, it's pretty easy to be isolated and alone. And um, you know, I certainly uh, before I, I found the river and fly fishing, I had some some pretty dark years of, of wondering what I was supposed to do and, and where I fit in. And um, uh, I found a purpose and a passion. And I feel like fly fishing is is kind of my medium to to connect people with a place of healing and, and acceptance. Um, the river doesn't belong to any one of us. You, you see people on Instagram, um, blotting out, uh, the background of a river or saying, Oh, don't share that spot. Like, I mean, that river has been around for millennia before and people have fished it and, and they will fish it after us. So, um, yeah, I want people to experience that, that sense of belonging community. Um, we all belong on the river. We, uh, I find healing there. I find life there. I find hope there. And uh, I want other people to, to experience that. And, and we're going to come back as, as better fathers and daughters and employees. And um, it's a great place to, uh, to connect with your kids and to build new friendships and uh, just to get some clarity. So, um, yeah, I always say if you, you see the Ascent Fly Fishing Truck next to the river, you're welcome to fish with me. And that is a, a sincere offer. Yeah, that's really great. And, and, you know, can you speak a little bit, you know, obviously, you know, it's very important, um, but it's not perfect. Are there ways that that community approach actually hinders what you're trying to accomplish? You know, we certainly do get some, uh, some pushback periodically um, because, you know, different people approach the river and the sport of fly fishing, you know, in in very different ways. For some people, it's, it's a competitive thing. It's an ownership thing. This is my spot. And, uh, and we'll get some pushback, but, um, you know, that's, that's not really my audience. That's not who I'm, I'm trying to reach. If they feel like they got all figured out uh, on an Island, that's all right. Um, I certainly, uh, my time is, is a limited factor. So, um, you know, here in the coming months, like it's, uh, it's generally, it can be 6am to 11pm most nights. And so that can be exhausting, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think what we need now is, um, to find uh, more people to to join the Ascent Fly Fishing family and, you know, people that kind of share this ethos and mission to to share the river and empower people, um, people that can, can walk alongside me as, as we're trying to grow the sport. Yeah, that's really interesting. And can you share maybe what you think the biggest misconception folks have about your approach? Well, I think, um, you know, people are intimidated by, by the fly selections, by, you say science and, and people go back to, you know, their, their physics or, or OCHEM from college and their eyes roll back in their head and they're like, I, I don't want to touch that. I barely passed it the first time. Um, but again, it's, yeah, I think um, it's not, it's not hard. It's just people need to have a, a spirit of, of inquisitiveness and some deductive reasoning and be able to um, just observe and compare. If they can do those things, they can be, uh, eminently successful anglers and uh so it, it's not hard and uh yeah i think if they give it a, a shot and try some of these approaches um they will have a, a better time on the water they will catch more fish and uh yeah it's, it's really approachable got it and how are you seeing this translate into new angler creation and retention you know i mean from our from our inception um you know the people that have been with us have, have stayed with us and um, and we, we've never done any big, uh, marketing pushes or paid ad words or, or, uh, you know, other than, you know, having the opportunity to write for some magazines and, and speak at some shows. Um, and so it's been largely word of mouth. Uh, someone does this, they, they call, 
or they come into the shop and and I look at their fly box and I send them away with uh, out selling them any flies because they already had what they need. And I send them to a different river than they, they were going to go and they catch, you know, 20 fish in an afternoon. They're going to tell their friends. And so those that have started with us have stayed with us and those that, uh, and they've told other people. And uh, so we're happy to be a, a place for people to land and, and uh, gain some confidence uh, in the sport. Yeah, that's great. How are you seeing kind of a similar question? How are you seeing your approach translate into a greater appreciation uh, of the resource and a, an increased willingness of uh, folks to actually uh, speak for it and advocate on its behalf? Right. Well, I think um, largely how we approach recreation or, or any pastime is we want to purchase experience. We want to purchase success. So um, I think the misconception is, is if you go in and you, uh, you pay the extra money for the Winston rod and the hatch reel, both awesome brands, great rods and reels. And you, uh, you want to, you know, pay to have a, a fly guide on a retainer. Um, it, that's going to make you successful. And, um, and, and you want the, they want the shortcut. Uh, they want the fast route to, to catching more fish. So, I mean, my approach is more about slowing down and, and becoming part of the system to seeing, a world that's larger around you and starting to understand it. And as we gain an understanding of that, we, we begin to appreciate the, the relationships, the idiosyncrasies of, of season, of, of what's going on on the edges of the river and how that feeds the river and how the fish respond to that. And, and like anything, as we gain a, a deeper understanding to kind of its heartbeat, to its rhythm, um, there's a, there's a connection that forms there. And, uh, and as you see, uh, all of a sudden, not just I'm supposed to buy these flies to fish in this one hole to catch that fish, but we understand that, you know, man, th- those bugs aren't working now because this is going on upstream and it's affecting this river now. And this place that had brought, you know, a point of connection with my son is now not the same. So, yeah, uh, forming that relationship with the water and the world of trout uh, grows in an appreciation and, and a desire to protect. Uh, I think it's going to build lifelong advocates for the river and and people that are ambassadors for the sport of fly fishing. Yeah. And as you've mentioned, uh, you know, earlier in the interview, you know, community building is very labor intensive. Um, and there's only one you, and there's only one ascent fly fishing. How do you scale this impact? You know, um, that's a good question. And, um, I think we're looking for for people that, that share the spirit, share this ethos, share this mission with us that can, can walk alongside us and do this. Um, we have uh, some big uh, plans and pushes for some, some mobile apps to, to kind of bring this community across the United States and empower people with the science. And um, yeah, it's, it is labor intensive, but this is the work I want to do. I would rather um, spend time with people and see them experience life on the river than, you know, make a million bucks a year doing this. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in it for the people and, uh, and, and for helping them uh, connect with the river. That's great. And, you know, as we're starting to wind down today, do you have any big plans or upcoming events you want to share with our listeners? You know, I think, um, you know, we're going to be, uh, here in the Rockies for a little bit. I am, uh, talking with some clubs in Southern California about coming out and doing some intensives, uh, streamside entomology seminars. I think I'm going to be heading down to Dallas here in the foreseeable future to, to also be doing uh, a couple events, but we're going to be in the Rockies and, uh, but yeah, I am, uh, I'm easily accessible um, via my mobile, via email, uh, through the contact page on the website. And uh, yeah, we hope really to, to be able to 
you know, assist your listeners in, in engaging the water and, and really getting what they want out of their experience on the river. Yeah, that's great. And do you mind just sharing the, the specific, those specific details with our listeners? And I'll drop them in the show notes too. Yeah, so um, our website is, is a wealth of, of knowledge and inexpensive uh, quality uh, tools and gear and flies. And that's Ascent Fly Fishing, A-S-C-E-N-T, flyfishing.com. Um, and then all of our, yeah, the podcast and, and uh, articles, everything's on there. Um, and then uh, our contact information, our email address, our phone number's on there as well. Um, following us on Instagram and Facebook um, is great because every time we're on the river, uh, we're taking videos about what we're sampling, how we're doing it, what we're fishing. Based on how that bug is floating, we're going to be fishing this. Look how those bugs are flying. We're going to be fishing this. So uh, that's really a great on-the-spot, in-the-moment medium where we can say, look at this, learn to observe this, and this this means, you know, how you should fish. And uh, so that's they follow us on social media. It's a great way to really stay plugged in. Well, that's great. Well, Peter, I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me this morning. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time, and I hope uh, your listeners were encouraged. I'm sure they will be. Thanks again. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Please remember Peter's generous offer. Go to www.ascentflyfishing.com and use the code ARTICULATE10. Remember, all caps, all one word, number 10, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your order. And again, a shout-out to this episode's sponsor, our friends at the Bristol Bay Defense Fund. Go to www.bristolbaydefensefund.com and donate today. Stay safe, everybody. Tight lines. Tight lines.